What the world needs now is drugs, sweet drugs. You're listening to that blessed and highly flavored podcast. It's only because a nigga blessed. Welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of Doom Patrol Season 1, Episode 4, Cold Patrol. This episode premiered March 8th of 2019, was written by Marcus Dalzine and Chris Dingus, and directed by Stefan Plezinski. I gave this episode an 8.9 out of 10. This is my favorite episode after the premiere. This is kind of what I've been asking for, I think the last two episodes, to kind of branch out a little bit into the world and away from just these character issues that are kind of getting repetitive in a way. I feel as if some are working better than others. They're keeping Rita very much a tight secret, which means that she probably has the one of the darkest <laughs> secrets of all, probably. And then they are doing a lot of great work with Larry. Vic's got something going on. But the thing back and forth between Cliff and Jane is where I definitely struggle. And I bet you any amount of money, that's probably everyone's favorite duo. And yet it's not my favorite duo at this time. And it's not always, it's just sometimes I don't particularly like their banter. And sometimes like in the scene where they're like, the fuck, it does work. But man, do I notice when the the script uses the same lines and I'm not sure if I'm just scrambling and writing notes that I notice it all the time but it's uh it's a popular trend in the flash tv shows or I should say in the dc universe tv show series that they are the, the, the writers are just not taking a look at what someone else wrote the day before is what I feel like is going on with the scripts like no one's in the same rooms like you're writing four and five you're writing seven and eight and no one ever looks at it to say oh this dialogue kind of reads the same but we start this episode 17 years ago in Salt Lake City parents two of them are (laughs) <laughs> two of them of course because it's parents <laughs> mother and a father I guess is what I'm trying to say because parents could be anything they sing happy birthday to a little boy who looks like he just ain't feeling it <coughs> but by his seventh birthday he is all in and he enjoys it a lot more we then realize his parents are batshit crazy because they're like oh we have to say a prayer about how the beginning was light and the shadows is good and anytime you say that shadows are good you're probably evil and that's exactly what this mom's face says and that one day he is going to save the world at least that's what he believes and it will happen once the book is finished which is when I realized oh my god they're writing this book on this boy's flesh which I did see initially but I didn't like I really was the first time going did this these parents let this kid get tattooed (laughs) I didn't notice it was scriptures then on his what 12th birthday 
it's when his dad was looking not so convinced <laughs> he's like uh yeah it's all going to plan it's like i made a mistake Then on his 18th birthday, he doesn't even try to play coy anymore. He waits until mom goes to the kitchen to grab a knife on that beautiful cake. It really was nice. Then he tells his son, no, you need to run. Get the hell out of here. You are not meant to save the world. You're meant to end it before mom comes in and slits dad's throat. I'm just the crazy slut with a dead husband. <laughs> She's like, now that that's done, how about we cut this cake? And Elliot's like, fuck, what's <laughs> going on? I'm going to my room and locking myself in here. And she's at the foot of the stairs like, Elliot, 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 you get down here and eat this fucking cake. It took me all night to make it and it will not go to waste. And we see that there is a eye figure that's been following him through his childhood as well. That's the symbol of this cult. In Reno, Nevada, a man who I'm going to name the new Constantine, I, I will say Kipling did a really great job this episode. I think he was a great addition. I hope he stays around long, but I have a feeling he won't just not that type of character but he immediately reminded me of the character Constantine if they had cast the right actor like this is the guy that should have been playing Constantine not the pretty boy that they got playing on DC right now yeah I said it I said it they went for I want this guy to be a sex symbol versus what Constantine really would have portrayed himself like he had none of this hey I've been there done that been some up and shit things I don't need to explain myself he had that I've been on this earth for many 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 millennia attitude that the character that's portrayed in Legends of Tomorrow and on his own series never did I hated that series on DC I was happy when it was when it was canceled I was mad when people wanted it back I was like this is bullshit this is fanfic and that's what Legend of Tomorrow eventually became just a whole bunch of people's fanfic for you know hey do your thing that's you but honestly the character of Constantine who is a comic book character I felt could have been given way more service than the disservice they they did by casting that guy and that's just my opinion it's not that the actor is not a good actor too because I, I don't hate his acting or I don't think he isn't um someone that would be a good addition in a different role I just don't see him as the character of Constantine and I you can clearly say I'm passionate about it because I read the comics <laughs> that's why I yeah I don't talk about that in Reno Nevada we see Kipling and he is you think this guy's crazy because he's talking about the cult of the book of the unwritten and how they're about to fulfill their prophecy and there's been signs and then baba spain a priest is doing a baptism when he is shown to have the stigmata coming out of his hands and they start glowing and he starts praying but it don't stop the glowing from happening 
And then we randomly see some machete nuns and they are cutting through like what is he in a fucking metal tin can? Why? <laughs> that is not what a hole in the wall would make. But it was still hilariously funny. And I thought that out of I mean, I thought they did a really good fun take on monsters and ghouls that I haven't seen before and because it's unique it works even better than it should and so I really like the look of these nuns as they came in and he's about to be killed and then he's saying this incantation is it incantation <laughs> I think I gave it too many more vows and saves himself by getting them to disappear into this book I loved everything about this opening sequence. I didn't know what was happening, why it was happening, but I knew it was a different direction and I liked where it was going. The transition to the baby crying was weird as Cliff is having a nightmare within a memory while he is sleeping, which is a little Inception-y as it is. So he's picking up his little daughter. He looks in the mirror because she's looking at him like, oh, and he's, uh, you know, his metal body self. And then he wakes and it's his normal body self and his little girl's right there. And she's like, daddy, can I take a nap with you? And he's like, sure. And <laughs> then he awakes in the present and jane is asleep on him except it's not jane it's baby doll and then it's hammerhead that awakens and she is not down with that kind of intimacy and cliff wants to know what he did larry's into the entity who is starting to look a lot more better or or defined i should say as a person who i'm just gonna call jb like what I did there, leaves him a video of him being questioned about John Bowers, his mechanic and his wife, who he immediately on the tape that is Larry's like, oh, I don't, I don't know anything. What about John Bowers? What, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anybody by name. Joe and Mystico made a whole song about that stutter. I can tell you learning it, cause when you were playing, stutter, stutter. Okay, he tells uh, JB fuck you when he realizes what he has left for him. I love this relationship. Just gonna throw it out there right now. I agree completely and utterly with uh, Shai's assessment that this is kind of cliche as far as the the backstory of larry however this is the only personal backstory in which i am interested in hammerhead at least talks to cliff and i appreciate that because she definitely doesn't to rita she's like fuck off rita i still love that line who wonders why baby doll was in his room last night then she says well she fucked up and Jane's on a timeout and that's why she's here taking control because everybody's acting crazy since Paraguay and he's like what happened if, well, I don't understand she says I'm not your therapist you figure it out and he's like I don't understand and and, and neither did I 
until a little later but even like and then I was like Cliff you should just say what I'm gonna say what is his problem Vic updates the team in a team meeting that Chief could be in one of 37 dimensions that are in their universe Jesus Christ so this information I would have loved to have known at least an episode if not two earlier because this begins our world building it's starting to take us into the trippy universe and it's kind of like they threw us in the deep end and it was like okay swim but at the same time now I have a whole fucking ton of salt water in there that I have to get the taste out it could have just been a much more smoother experience than the choppy one you gave me but here we are uh, I'm still swimming still float Rita gets snippy <laughs> that she was not invited to the team briefing Vic first rose hammerhead because she's like first and foremost we are not a team he's like um do you want to find the chief oh Larry do you want to find the chief oh hey Cliff why are you over there do you want to find it oh so this thing called all of us on one go is is a team yeah shut the fuck up then he goes over to Rita who's trying to be petty to my ain't get no invite and he's like um I'm sorry after the conversation we had yesterday it was clear you were not up to the task so I don't know why you thought I would call you here but if you need some busy work because clearly you ain't got nothing to do and you bored Vic woke up not in the mood But then again, neither is anyone for these briefings after Rita stops her ass on out. Then Rita tells Cliff, or not Cliff, Larry, you're my friend. Cliff has Rita, or shit, the names. Cliff has Jane. I need someone to be in my corner and we were supposed to be in the coward section and you just bailed on me. And he's like, it ain't my fault. JB is holding me hostage. He wants to be a part of this shit. Then out of nowhere, Kipling shows up telling them that the cult is on the march. He's looking for Niles. She's like, Niles is not here and I don't know when he's coming back. Let me leave him a message. (laughs) He's like, well, that's not going to do me any good because the world is about to end. And his full name is Willoughby Kipling. Kip for short. He is part of the Knights Templar group. And also has nothing but English slang words for Calder's character. He called him a wanker, a cunt, piece of shit, bag of goat shit. (laughs) I may have left some out. But he'll be in his office saving the world because he owes him a penny. Kipling then gives the team the rundown that once again, because he says, you can also look me up because I'm a big deal. (laughs) That once the book of unwritten is written and read it will summon the decreator and then the world will cease to exist he says the book is not an actual book but a person and that they need to find this person and i love how he's just casually doing magic that's what i love about like this dude feel like i don't need you to know i'm doing what i'm doing as i'm as i'm giving you information i'm still moving the plot along i loved it 
and he put some blood on this penny and you got Cliff being like this is gonna be a day in which I don't understand shit and I was like yes please stop asking questions and I love that this penny was hidden within the penny collection that Niles had because this is no ordinary penny but an oracle that will give them the book's location then we meet said oracle baphomet who is a singing head of a horse who may and may not be cross-eyed i mean i was pretty much everyone else in that room when in the singing was going on i was like is this horse fucking singing <laughs> i mean he's giving out clear directions and shit but <laughs> is anyone else on mushrooms what did he did he put any type of uh gas in that what but then he didn't look at them so jane is like nah we ain't on this mission cliff is like i agree and so does rita and Vic immediately you don't jump on jane and cliff <laughs> he's like oh rita we know where you stand he just love rubbing it in her face especially when she says the words we're not superheroes i swear to god i swear to god you stupid bitch he got her number and it is tickling the shit out of me i mean he was going for her all episode Vic says he mostly checks out when he ran his information even though there are a little gray areas some uh locked doors he can't get into larry says i don't trust kipling but i do trust the head of that horse i'm a bobby girl in the bobby world life in plastic it's fantastic you can brush my hair undress me everywhere of course larry would trust the singing horse it was singing he was like i was down with larry though can we do something about them bandages can you change them every few days? I mean, they look in awfully fucking not white. <laughs> and I do not expect clear white. Do not get me wrong. A few days worth when you have done some shit. But he woke up that morning and those is day old fucking bandages. And I need you to get a new set. And don't tell me you ain't got none new in there because we busted Rita in your room so we know you have clean bandages i did like that kipling came out as they're just talking about i'm like you you know i can hear you guys and doomsday is still happening so you know whenever you want to make up your minds they all say we're in and he says glad you can fit it in your schedule i loved his humor before then opening a portal with his cigar noise noise and then they're like well how did you open a door with your what did they say cancer stick he's like oh you thought that was a cancer stick nah that was michelangelo's ashes that he was smoking to make that door they all go through except for rita and then come out very quickly with elliot yelling close the fucking portal because mom is also coming through with a knife before hammerhead tosses her ass back through Bye, Felicia. 
since we do not kill kids or burn books because that's what kid police plan is let's kill the kid he's not really a kid he's a book but he kind of also looks like a kid y'all really want me to believe that cliff read in his free time come on man kipling then says well fine if we're not going to kill the kid the only way to stop what's going to come is by closing the gates of nurham or the gates to nurham which is a stigmata that we saw earlier in bobby spain and i was like noise connection and it all happened without the reveal and so we don't have to go back i like i like that type of storytelling it's smart just wish the dialogue would follow sometimes and that there will be assassins sent to retrieve the boy but the stigmata must be sewn shut which everyone looks to rita who is of course the knitter of the group but she's like um i know i have useful skills i just don't want to use them and so it is up to hammerhead who's like don't judge me i do knit myself and apparently she has to use janice joplin's dental floss because it's the only thing powerful enough to close the gate he uses his last piece of knowing gum to get the location of near him and cliff and hammerhead go despite vic wanting to but cliff's like well i do what i want to do and vic is like well you make that very clear so he stays and everyone else is going to hold down the fort and protect the kid and i did like the old school joke about them and the gum they was like you swallowed it both rita and larry because that was you know never chew gum and swallow it because it'll stick to your insides i'm like and we really thought that too until you realize there's acid in your fucking stomach it's gonna break down all that sugar it's not sticking nowhere <laughs> not sticking in babia spain am i saying that right babia babia hammerhead tells cliff jane was appalled at his bloodlust and carnage in paraguay and that's why she's in hiding right now because she knows why she's violent she's there to protect jane for a reason and he doesn't have the same excuse and i'm like ma'am he is a fucking brain in a robot body that can never feel anything ever again what do you mean why am i angry what (laughs) killing people that deserve it is probably one of the only things that is going to cause dopamine to flood through my fucking system except for this love i'm feeling and i guess there is something to say about that some poetic some poetry i should say that sometimes just knowing a sensation can and how that affects the brain can stimulate a type of living and i'm sure we're gonna get into that more maybe hopefully kipling says we need to be prepared in case the gates aren't closed and vic tells him i'm actually experienced here so (laughs) and he has larry stand guard he's going to secure the perimeter um kipling needs some hot sauce and i really really wanted it for to be for no other reason than he had chicken and he needed some hot sauce oh i wanted that to be the joke so bad i was imagining like oh so what was the hot sauce for oh i was hungry got these wings over here ducky fried chicken you want some did y'all catch larry standing at attention 
and then you have Rita who trying to take everybody's um game because she ain't got none talking about Vic I don't know what you're trying to do but Larry is a coward too don't let his compliance fool you <laughs> it's the thing inside of him that wants to help you and yet he over there looking like a damn hero with his with his at attention pose and then right after she said that he goes and sits down I was like oh Rita why you had to do that then Vic says well even if Larry doesn't want to be a hero he also has someone else he has to think about named JB and he clearly wants to be and then she says well he might be insane how would why would you even think that as a possibility Rita what has he done I mean he literally saved someone from being electrocuted while Larry ran okay so maybe while you was the one causing the electrocution with your blob ass down the street i mean i need you to back up you you score points but man you are a negative nilly hammerhead and cliff get to the church where she is clearly triggered by some ptsd events about shit going on in the shadows he's like i'm dealing with my own horror shit over here clearly she was molested like that is the most typical trope of how so many personalities can be split now there is a much better way they do it in legion and other uh, tv shows but for some reason when it comes to a female it needs to come down to molestation and a whole bunch of other sexual or physical abuse that's it's the same trauma to be used to make the character interesting because they have so many personalities and i just feel as if you can do the exact same thing having all the different personalities and come up with a fucking original storyline for it that doesn't have to be around trauma so that the character can be deep is that the only way you can make a character deep by giving them introducing sexual abuse it's just so old so old i'm tired of seeing it and i know that's exactly where it's going like she trusted you what did you do to her clearly it was by the church it probably was by her dad it probably was by everyone because they said it how many times now in the script what could have possibly happened to you so bad that you would split in the 64 personalities that means your shit didn't get good for a long ass time probably until calder found you which was a week ago (laughs) two weeks ago i don't know maybe six months it don't feel as long as um or far away as the trauma could be or should be i don't know if should is the right terminology though either way she assaults the priest and he transports them to nurham where penny farthing takes over who i did not like whatsoever and now cliff is mad because he can't yell at hammerhead because this is her fault and then there are some minions that show up and they're like you have no business here and he's like technically that's true which is one of his few funny lines of the episode is it me or did they also it felt take break between breaks between filming episodes one two three and then this episode because it certainly has it feels as if they did a much tighter job on the special effects like everything felt a little bit more and then when i went to and i'm not really trying to be rude about this at all i really don't care about the actor's weight but it 
I noticed that there was a weight difference between the first time I saw Brandon Frazier in this season and then the scene that they had with him being uh, himself once the arcane changed him. So it feels as if some passage of time has occurred between those episodes. I could be misreading that, but that's that's what I've, I felt. Uh, Kipling not eating chicken to my to my sadness is dousing some rosemary beads and not rosemary rosary beads and hot sauce to guard the entrances and Larry questions the magic that he's doing and then I started to question Kipling at first like is he you know what this guy did just show up and nobody <laughs> but I trust Vic at that part i was like uh, if he was on the true shady shady i think vic would have been and if not vic his daddy would have been all over that he then goes to see one victor who is doing his weapons inventory and kipling's like oh i do that too at the liquor cabinet well we got some gin we got some jack we got some vodka we got a little bit of rum Victor, of course, is appalled. How could you drink at a time like this? But Kipling's like, when a hootie who comes, you know, I'd rather be drunk. Because if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out half tipsy, if not full on drunk. And he revisits killing the boy once again, just in case their best shots don't work. Victor is like, we don't kill little kids but we don't kill anyone period apparently because he is the barry allen of this group even though barry himself has bodies on his record go back to season one and two barry dropped some fools seems that victor also has hero worship for niles who I am going to suspect has been trying to get him from his father's scene for a really long time by appealing to his need for actual personal attachment. And he says, you know, Niles would never be caught up with a guy like you. And Kip is like, well, you know a whole different Niles. He knew him since he was six years old, though. I was like, wow, I did not get that sense. But that also explains a lot. Then he tells him to you guys, Niles is Mr. Uncle. I give pep talks and make you feel better about your life. But when he's rolling with me, we do what needs to be done. But you're young and stupid and allowed to feel the naive things you do. But wait until you're backed into some corners and you find yourself in some rough patches and decisions need to be made. And then you will find out what you're really capable of. And I like this dialogue between the two. I like the tension in the scene. The acting was good on both sides. And the actor that plays Cyborg, he's hit or miss. Sometimes he does a really good job other times he does not do a really good job (laughs) like when he says and what did he say damn when he was on the floor he did a line he's like then explode it was so awful um 
I was gonna get the actor's name, but I think I lost it up. It's Jovian something. I did like all the music in the episode a lot, actually. Elliot looks at his parents, a photo of them near a car that they worked on, and realizes that they were his only friends. He didn't have any, and now doesn't even know if they ever actually loved him because they were indeed prepping him to be the killer of all humanity larry tries to cheer him up you know to say hey you know it's i am sorry about what happened to you but at least you're lucky he's like i'm lucky well you can't live for other people you have to be true to yourself and have some faith uh because you're you're learning this lesson early in life and it took me a whole lifetime to learn that and then he reveals yeah my mom just slit my dad's throat right in front of me they ask you how you are you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine but you just can't get into it because they would never understand then he starts to get suicidal uh elliot that is saying i'm gonna just end it all when jb appears and lets elliot go why i do not know probably because he was thinking larry you are not the best person for this pep talk so please go find someone else in this house (laughs) larry also claimed that being a hero was a mantle people sling around your neck and he hates the word petty jb restarts the niles calder interview with him before welcoming larry back to the party of the aware and the entire time he wanted not for larry to see or realize he's being questioned about john bowers but that he once he was being questioned was a able to come out of larry's body when larry's under duress so that's the reason why that's interesting b niles and jb have been fighting or have been figuring out what jb is and how to communicate despite the attempts they've made previously this is the first time they've really come close to it he gets into the machine he asks him a whole bunch of questions niles that is but the only thing that he is able to answer is how did you get into his body or what is it like to stay in larry's body and he says torture and this causes larry to have empathy for the thing inside of him because it might not be the best place for him ideology to be hanging out either it's not just larry's burden it's this other entity's burden that happens to have a mind of its own so it's an actual conscious being which is very interesting it can only be released when larry is in duress or being chased by by some ghouls rita meanwhile is walking the hall still not over vic roasting her all day and runs into elliot she is planning on leaving he's about to jump out the window on his way out and she says no let us both stay because first and foremost baby you was on the second floor and you gonna break a leg or a, a arm but you you ain't gonna die but also if you're gonna be a sacrificial lamb to save everybody do it right by burning and then killing yourself that was rita's best line of the series thus far (laughs) when she broke it down to him like she was dead serious too like oh you're on the second floor (laughs) 
This house is not, like you need to go to the roof if you're gonna do this proper. He calls himself a failure and I did feel really bad for this kid and I know he's been in something and I cannot put my finger on it. And she tells him, look, come on off the ledge. Let me give you an actual hug by someone who cares about you as a person. (laughs) Just because you're breathing and that it's okay. And that the world is a horrible, beautiful place. Just spectacular. But that, you know, we do want to save you. And we failed before, but for fuck's sake, let us continue to try. Back in Nurnham, the boy's parents, well, the mom and the dead dad, they were actually high priestesses of this Nurnheim place called Akons. And as reward for protecting the book, not the boy, they were ascended. Vic freaks the hell out when he hears that Ellie is gone via Larry. But Rita comes in saying he is fine. He's like, yeah, I was totally going to kill myself. But, you know, she talked me off the ledge. And Rita was totally like, Vic, I did something. Don't you see? And then magic and science go ham on some dry bachelors. I really like when he busted out his cannon. I ain't gonna lie. And then he was like, science. And then he's just playing with his hand. You're like, what you doing? <laughs> and he pulls out a flaming fucking sword and he's like magic and I'm like eh, magic is cooler <laughs> way cooler uh, the dry bachelors was another nice touch dead skin <laughs> uh, these things are made of dead skin and letters that were never delivered which makes a rather unique killing effect I don't know who is going to clean up this place, but they better have a 24-hour maid service. Rita and Elliot are, they tripped over the beads, so they are (laughs) desperately trying to pick up each little bead because, you know, that's all she could do right now. Elliot's like, I don't want to die. No, seriously, I'm only 18. I don't want to die. And she's like, look, this is my moment of being a good person to rub it in Vic's face. Like, don't ruin it for me. Just pick up the fucking beads. Kipling then um, is like, what's up with your cannon? He's like, I got to conserve power. I like that, that we're putting um, constraints on what Cyborg can do. And he is using his little metal arm and he's like, we can do this because, you know, Vic is always Barry Allen, Mr. Optimistic. But once he sees that it's the 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 guard for the high priestesses, Kipling's like, nope, we cannot. And tosses Beast Boy in, Beast Boy, Cyborg in as bait so that he can go and kill the kid. It's like, you ain't going to do it, but I will because this is not a fight. We're going to win. And Rita finally uses her powers effectively, stopping him from killing said kid. She's like, nah, not on my watch. Then the nuns carved away once again. (laughs) Like they got a, like they're, um, oh God. 
What is the thing I'm trying to think of? I can't open her. They're sardine. They're all in a sardine jar. And they take Elliot. Vic uses his grenade to kill all the baddies in the room left with him. And that's the line when where he said that line. I can't even remember it. It was so terrible. <laughs> Back in Narnia, because that's what I'm going to call it right now. Cliff is still running his mouth because he don't know when to shut the fuck up. Saying you're bad parents. You ain't shit. You're crazy. Psychopath. I was a bad daddy, but you're the worst. And the Arkans like, you want to play games? I can play games. And <laughs> pays him all types of back in spades for talking all that mess by showing him perception is everything. And that Jane sees him as this bloodthirsty robot. And he sees her as his daughter because he's projecting, which is totally accurate. He's like, you think I see her as, of course, that's what you're thinking, fucking Cliff. What the hell do you mean? Were you supposed to, did you really think that you were subtle? And then she shows him what he really is, which is a brain on the floor. (laughs) And then she's like, Jane, you're just a scared little girl. And then she goes hiding oh this that that was uh that was rather funny it was it shouldn't have been but it was because it's what you get and then we have the book being read they put that boy out there naked on that rock they said we got hits everywhere on the dick balls i bet you they was on the balls like hey y'all got that magnifying glass we gotta read these scriptures too that mom was nasty. Nasty. And then the the creator's eye comes into the sky and they're too late. And that's how we end the episode. <laughs> you just hear a lighter flicking. And Kipley's right there. He's like, no hard feelings, but fuck. <laughs> and then he says, I should have did another prayer. Oh, I love him. I hope he is around for a lot of the season. Or whenever they want to jump into this territory of storyline he's the guy we see and he becomes this world's Constantine I could be so down with that like that would make me the happiest I hope that is what's coming don't spoil and tell me but I will put that in my bucket list we do have feedback this week let's jump on in So if you want to send feedback, you can send that two different ways. You can send it via email or you can send it via audio file to blackgirlcouch at gmail.com and hear yourself being played on the podcast, just like our next feedbacker, Shy. Hey, Christina, it's me. I'm here to talk about Doom Patrol episode four. And I'm just going to straight up get to the point and move on with my life I did not enjoy this episode um I thought that you know when I previously was trying to watch it and was falling asleep that maybe I was just too tired and just wasn't able to really get into the episode so I attempted well actually I did watch it again 
today after work and uh no my first impressions were correct i did not enjoy this episode i just couldn't get into it i wasn't engaged in what was going on it just dragged for me i found myself looking pausing to look at the time how much time is left that's never a good sign when i do that you know um that's definitely the telltale for me that i'm not into it and it wasn't even a matter of me not understanding what was going on or being on a struggle bus anything like that because it was pretty clear-cut what was happening what the story was about um in regards to this kid elliot um his parents raising him to fulfill his destiny which is to bring about the end of the world so you know they're raising him and each birthday he's his body is being written on to tell them whatever they're supposed to tell him and when he turned 18 you know the book is going to be completed and he's going to be sacrificed to bring about this great destiny so yeah and then we have the guy named ripley kipley or whatever his name is that's a ghost hunter or whatever he is so yeah i mean in that regard like i said it wasn't hard to follow or hard to understand what was happening um but it just wasn't a an episode that what i was entertained by so yeah um so i'm not going to spend too much time you know trying to figure out you know things about this episode i enjoyed because you know it's not that serious for me um i guess the only other thing that was of interest is those recordings with the chief and larry and the negative entities basically saying he thrives on torture so larry has to be like torture or have be torture i don't know anyway um maybe you'll explain that one better in your in your breakdown of the episode but yeah the yeah like i said i'm not gonna waste your time or the audience time with you know trying to conjure up some semblance of a feedback that i don't really have so um on that note um yeah hopefully you enjoyed it and maybe i'll live vicariously through you and um just enjoy listening to you talk about the episode but for me it's a no-go um so with that being said until next time much love peace and black girl magic queen of the couch shy well, that is Shy's opinion on the episode. It seems we are on different spectrums tonight, which is understandable. Uh, I liked it a lot more. I was really into the theme and uh, just what they were doing. It was bringing in an exciting new character, introducing new types of threats in the world. Because I think this show will do better if we start going into a, you know, almost like a flash type deal (laughs) where you're getting your character of the week, but you also have your long term villain. And I have a feeling that Mr. Nobody is a very long term villain. And then you need other, you know, other ways of getting to know these 37 universes or dimensions and what goes on there. And it's pretty fucking crazy. 
and it's as crazy as uh the concepts that this team live by so it's that world building that i really enjoyed about it um but yeah to each their own but as far as the torture uh thing it's i don't believe it's to thrive on torture i think it's torturous for the entity to reside in in larry's body because the way in which and that's the only reason why i figured it was that way because i didn't know either but i looked at larry's reaction and he immediately was like oh like he grabbed like he almost like oh i didn't know this was happening to you so it, it felt more of a, a understanding between them like you're not the only person that's living a life in which ain't the the best you know yeah i leave your body and you're pretty much a rag doll <laughs> and you have you know you're pretty much radiation walking cancer but for me as well being inside of your body it's a sort of torturous existence so i think that's going to be a step in reconciling these two beings that well it definitely feels like larry more so resents his uh his interest in his life but he said something interesting too in the episode i tried being a hero once and it just fucked things up other than him doing the flight i don't know what else he could possibly be referring to because there could be things that happen in larry's story we don't know about and i like the fact that there's what 50 60 years of history in which to mine and it's i think because his is so further back as well as uh rita's it gives more meat to their their arcs than say cliff who seems to be the most recent member who's more reactive to everything and i guess maybe that can account for some of his characterizations that i don't quite enjoy a lot but and then jane also feels like one of the newest newer members of the group so yeah i am yeah i see some something interesting developing there that that like i said earlier in the episode i am the most invested in larry's storyline and eventually what every like people are growing on me i think the only two i'm having the hardest with are cliff and then not even jane she doesn't pretty much like i like her characterization um i think she's doing the actress is doing the job that needs to be done and i don't have an issue with her as much as just the trope in which they're using to introduce the character you do want to send feedback you can send that to blackrocouch at gmail.com you can send it two ways you could type up an email or you can record an audio you could send that audio in by clicking on memo recording what your thoughts and feelings are for 10 minutes or less and sending it in a file directly to the email and I'll take care of the rest and you can hear your voice on the podcast. You can find Black Ocas reviews on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else good podcasts can be found. My social medias will be below. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And if you have time, run over to iTunes, leave a review and rate the podcast. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and Black on Magic. <laughs>